Okay. Hi. <laughs> it's fine, it's okay. I like as much as as much as his texts are like institutionalized and people just know him as like oh you kind of just study him in high school i think if people were to appreciate what he wrote outside of the, the like academic context people would probably learn a lot about big questions of life and time and all the things that he wrote about
Mm. I think it's also very humbling, though, as well, because we've we've yet to find any effective treatment or remedy to it. So it's definitely a sign that there is more to be discovered and more to be concluded in terms of our scientific world. Mm -hmm. I have not, no. Okay, so on a much lighter, on a much, much lighter note, um, on this day in 2005, the first YouTube video was uploaded and it was called Me at the Zoo and it stars the co-founder of YouTube, George Kareem, and arguably this video marks the beginning of a revolutionary form of entertainment that forged a path for billions and I think probably trillions of hours of YouTube videos that came in the in, the years since and it's a huge part of i say most um of our generation's childhood all of the characters all of the people that emerge from the site it's really the influence it's had you can't really put it into words i'd say mm. yeah yep Mm. Yeah, like a huge amount of information of like good, I'd say quality information can be found on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, even just the website layout and like how far it's come now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like how dare you how dare you make our lives more convenient <laughs> yes yeah like the box set TV type thing Mm. 
Yeah. It's just a, it's exactly. Okay, yeah, I can't think of any at the moment.
Hmm. I think I'm a strong believer in in pressure being something that can be perceived as a privilege, but I do believe that pressure in itself can be used. I mean, like pressure in real life, talking physically now, can be used in good and bad ways. And I think the type of pressure that comes from、uh, this imposter syndrome, it really depends on how it makes you feel as to how you perceive it. Because obviously you can use imposter syndrome. I think you definitely can use it too, in a in a good way, in like a benevolent as a benevolent force. I think to improve yourself, to improve what you're doing, and to go further with your goals. But I think if it's if it's affecting you to the point where you feel as though you're not doing enough, and then it demotivates you, and then you sort of give up with what you've already been doing, like pressure sort of just crum like making you crumble in a way. I think that's when you really have to address the issue, and you have to consider why it is that you have these like self-deprecative thoughts, where and you can't acknowledge your logical, definitive, like absolute success that you do have.
Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah, I, I think so. So I've just gone through my application process uh, this year, so I'll be graduating this year. And um, one thing that is, yes, <laughs> it's exciting, but one thing that I say rather daunting is that when you begin to essentially list your life and achievements on paper and you materialize those onto essentially one piece of A4 or two sides of A4, depending on how accomplished you are. And once you begin to do that, it really does become something tangible the things you have and the things you haven't done and i think of course it is a way for universities to make their decisions and that is something obviously that is useful but i think there is something to be said about this time in particular where people are hyper aware of what achievements they have done and what this means for our sort of you know our age range now and there's definitely a focus on i'd say your achievements as a person but I don't think, I think the issue is, is that people allow these achievements or the lack thereof of achievements to define who they are. And I think that's where the real issue is, is that we're in a highly, highly competitive, um, I'd, I'd say generation or period in time where people are striving to be the best that they can be. And I think that's, that's great. I think, you know, this type of motivation is, is amazing, but I think like I said, it, it only takes a certain amount of pressure to tip it the other way to where as people begin to just have that demotivation. So I think there's something to be said about one, how competitive the university process is, which and then people feel like they're forced to do all these things to stand out. And obviously it's a lot of pressure to stand out because you're competing against some of the most talented, most driven people in the world and that might not necessarily be you. And two is that our our society now, specifically at our age, is so focused on material achievements that don't reflect you as a person, 
but you do perceive that as reflecting you as a person because it amounts to a physical university application that you put down on paper. And I think that's where the issue really does come forth. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the issue. If you if you allow it to become a reflection of what you think of yourself, let's say, for example, you're applying to the US, and I say the US because it is a lot more like achievement extracurricular orientated than, for example, the UK, where I've finished the application process. And I think once you do start to slip into that that idea of like, okay, I need to improve this, I need to improve that, I need to become better at this. I need to become better at that. That's when you allow it to become a sort of like a central part of your being for this short, short period of time, which obviously is a good thing because you're striving to be the best version of yourself that you can be for universities to see. But then how far do you let that affect your perceptions of yourself after university life? And you then you have this mindset of, okay, everything I do and everything I accomplish reflects me not who I am actually as a person and what people see me as. It's rather your achievements that make you. And I think that's when, that is the the, the danger of this because I don't think that is true at all.
Mm. Yeah. And I think when you when you look at um, this type of person that does go for, as you said, the proper jobs and they do pursue well-paying jobs and well-respected jobs, but they don't go for the job that they truly wanted or the job that they truly desired. And that was their motivation to go into a certain business to begin with. I think those are the people who have the most regrets in life. And those are the people who do retire early and do have a good life, but look back at their working time and think, I, uh, this is, I could have done so much more and this is not what I wanted to do. And I think that is a very, that's a sad life to have. And I think that it does reflect though, similarly to the university application process where you essentially construct another person to represent yourself, which might not necessarily be yourself. And then you're, you're sort of constantly living through this scope of societal pressure. And then you realize, okay, well, this isn't me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, of course, yeah. Mm, mm hmm Yeah, I think it's, it's a selfless decision to make, I think. No, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, though. Mm. Like traditionally more safer and more like I'd say less volatile jobs that you you know you're gonna have like a steady income and you know you're gonna be well respected and it's like that sort of safe uh, yeah I see what you mean yeah yeah definitely I think so. <laughs> Mm, yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, it's like separating the brain and the heart and sometimes just being able to take a step back and think about things logically and not letting the emotions take center stage. Yeah, and I think as like a an, another broader statement that I'd probably like to tell everybody as well is that um, as much as we do have this sort of hustle culture nowadays about, you know, trying to do as much as you can and being the best you can be and being the most productive person around, I think that's it's a great thing. Like Rachel just mentioned now, being a perfectionist can be a great thing because you do strive for excellence and I don't think people should stop striving for excellence, but it's not holding yourself accountable for when, I mean, it doesn't go your way and some things aren't the excellence that you you wanted them to be. Um, but also recognizing that we are in a culture now where people define themselves by their achievements. And to those people listening now, um, you are much more than your achievements in life and you can be more than your achievements. You just have to believe that you are and find other fulfillment in life than just academic or non-academic achievements.
Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think what Rachel said then about um, comparing yourself to yourself, that's a very useful thing that you can do as well in a more practical way, is if you, for example, you think about what you were like, say, 10 years ago or seven years ago or what you were like when you first started high school or secondary school or whatever you want, like, you know, whatever milestone you want to take in life and you look at yourself and think, who you were back then and compare yourself to who you are now i'd say nine times out of ten you're you're going to have made significant progress and you're going to have developed so much as a person that you'll be unrecognizable and i think people need to have that perspective every now and then whereas i mean even if it's just you know you happen to be going through some old photos and you see yourself and you think wow you know like i've come such a long way I think moments like that can give you so much perspective and just make yourself realize like, you know what, I can be a little less harsher on myself because look at how, how far I've come. I think you sort of almost convince yourself that you deserve a break. You deserve like a, you know, just a moment of relief. Like, you know what, I did good. I've kind of done something good here. Do not d diagnose yourself. <laughs> and we are not clinical psychologists. We are not professionals. So take everything we say with a grain of salt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe you actually did that. <laughs> yeah, well, okay.
Yeah, taking the first step. Okay. <laughs> Please do not include that. Like, just don't. That, that was horrible. Okay, Rachel, you go, you go, you go. <laughs> Good luck with the name. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'll argue, yes, yeah. Evgeny Kassin, great. <laughs> okay, so keeping with the theme of music, I'll be recommending a whole album. So if you have not listened to NF's new album called Clouds, I highly, highly recommend it. If it's it's very good gym music. It's the type of it's also very emotional music as well. So I suppose similar to Rachmaninoff. Well, I mean it's it's sort of like um, storytelling through this like very intense rap. If you've ever listened to NF, I highly recommend his new album Clouds. It's very good. NF. That's just the name of the artist. I don't. I don't believe, but I, I. I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into his name.
Yeah, that makes total sense. I just, you know, Rachmaninoff, NF, Schubert, Eminem, you know, just kind of, they're just there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Just him and the boys. <laughs> well done, guys. <laughs> you could have done better. Bye-bye.